Welcome to the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. I'm Catherine Mora, founder and CEO of Change Empire Books. We help coaches, speakers, and entrepreneurs write and publish quality books and get them out into the world. We believe that thought leaders are made through a combination of quality of service, planning, and authenticity. Do you want to impact lives and leave a legacy? Stick around until the end of the show and we'll reveal how you could be our next guest on the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. Let's get started. Your host, Starlet Henderson here with this episode's thought leader, Andrea Wilson-Woods from betteroffbald.com. Andrea, thank you for being here today. Oh, Starlet, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about your book. You have a nonprofit, you have a company, your fingers are in a lot of different buckets or hands are in a lot of different buckets. Um, But I want to start right off with um, this idea of thought leader, right? I feel like you have got some two cents to share on what does being a thought leader mean to you? Well, I think it's still a fairly new term. It's Mm -hmm. a more refined way of saying subject matter expert. Um, But a thought leader is a person who has knowledge and experience about a particular subject or subjects, and they share that knowledge with others. Mm -hmm. Very succinct and good. Yeah, subject matter expert. We hadn't heard that one before. So you have this um, expertise, and you're going to do something with it. Um, I alluded to your nonprofit. You have a, you're a co-founder of a company. You're an author. Um, you've been in academia. That's not your whole story, but I did just kind of sum it up. And no longer in academia, which is right, good. Yeah. So. Some, somewhere, I don't know if you feel like you've escaped it or not, but it was some something in your history. Um, yep. Picking one of those, where do you feel like you were thought leading? Um, well, I mean, everything goes back to my cancer story, um, which which goes back many years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 22 years old, I got custody of my then eight-year-old sister, Adrian, and I was her only parent legal guardian. I raised her all through my 20s until she was diagnosed with stage four liver cancer one month after her 15th birthday. And that was day one of Adrian's 147-day battle with liver cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, and actually, it'll be 20 years ago um, coming up here this year. And um, it changed the whole course of my life. The following year, I was 30 years old. And it just gave me a renewed sense of purpose um, because losing her was the worst thing that to this day still has ever right. happened yeah. to me. Yeah. That's, uh, it, and it, it's fresh. I'm sure still it's 20 years, but it feels like yesterday. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it does. Um, and that's what motivated me to start a nonprofit. Um, had there been another charity that existed that was focused on that particular cancer, I probably wouldn't have, but there wasn't at the time. And so I founded Blue Fairy, the Adrian Wilson Liver Cancer Association, and it is specifically focused on hepatocellular carcinoma, also known as primary liver cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two years ago, as you alluded to, I co-founded Cancer University, or as we like to call it, Cancer U, and that is a for-profit health tech startup. Yeah. So like you said, it all stems from that experience with Adrian. Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually had five other family members die from five different kinds of cancer. Oh, the tragedy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Thank um, you. 
so your um your your focus is in cancer and patient advocacy. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about that work. Um, obviously, we know how you got into that. Um, but you know, what are the struggles and the the biggest, I don't want to say failures, but obstacles to succeeding uh, as a patient advocate? Oh, okay, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I think it just depends on what your focus is. You know, for some people, advocacy means politics. It means, you know, changing the laws. And that's not really been my focus. I have done some amount of lobbying, but I didn't find that to be very satisfying. It's a very slow process. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's more, I enjoy helping patients and caregivers learn how to be advocates. Um, I've really discovered over the years that advocacy is not a natural skill for about 95% of the population. So I have pro bono coached cancer patients and caregivers um, over the years. Um, I've, I get phone calls and emails and text (laughs) messages. I have unfortunately received medical records over Facebook. Do not do that. Do not do that people. Um, And, and so that's really my joy and and cancer. You really came out of that, you know, really wanting to teach people how to become advocates for their cancer care, which of Mm -hmm. course, you know, expands to all of their health care. Yeah. So you're on speed dial. Um, and so yeah. <laughs> speed dial for I some am. of these patients. And when you say that this isn't a natural skill, like what is the biggest thing that you find um, people are finding hard asking for what they want or some variation of that? I think sometimes it's even knowing what they want, hmm. you know, understanding yeah. what the choices are. And, and then, yes, if they do know what they want, asking for it. Um, for, for sure, you know, questioning the doctor. Um, but, but, you know, it's also just so overwhelming too, because if you Google your diagnosis, you know, you'll get Another millions thing we don't want people of results. To do. <laughs> yes, don't. Yeah, please don't do that. Be, because most of the time, whatever comes up will probably not apply to you. Mm-hmm. It won't, you know, and, and so, um, and doctors do hate Dr. Google for a good reason, <laughs> for that reason. Dr. Google, I hadn't heard that. Oh yeah. I learned that during, during all this, Dr. Google, they hate Dr. Google. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not knowing what to ask and then having the courage to ask. And then also I would say standing your ground, Oh yeah, really standing your ground. Um, if you are the caregiver and you're speaking on behalf of the patient, it is really hard, um, to stand your ground when doctors are pressuring you to make a different decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. And uh, so you have Cancer U. Is this a community where people can come together and share their stories and learn and, and maybe, you know, gain some of that courage? Yeah, absolutely. It. Absolutely. In fact, um, I'd love to li- give your listeners a gift. If they go to cancer.university and they click the little green buttons everywhere that say enroll now, if they're currently diagnosed cancer patient or caregiver of a cancer patient, um, all they have to do is click that button, um, sign up. And when it says, do I have a coupon code? Just click yes. And all they have to do is put your name in all caps, starlet, two T's, by the way, people, two T's. Oh, there you go. Yeah, S-T-A-R-L-E-T-T. I've never been a coupon code. (laughs) You're a coupon code. And, um, And they'll have a free lifetime membership to cancer you. Oh, wow. That's generous. Thank you. And what are they, what are they finding over there? You know, what, what kind of resources? Yeah. So it is 
even though I left academia, <laughs> Cancer U is designed like an online university. Um, so we have our orientation course, the proactive patient. We have major courses, which are for you or your loved one's specific cancer. We have our core courses. We have a community where everyone interacts with each other and gets support. And then we also have coaching. Full, full service shop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a story? So, um, you know, your sister's story is in the better off bald book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it is. And, um, so did you want to share a little bit more about, um, I, I read on your website, like those lessons that you learned through her experience, right. Um, mainly yeah. perspective. Um, tell us a little bit about Adrian in the book, better off bald. Yeah, sure. So, um, The book is written like a journal because I kept a medical diary the entire time Adrienne was sick, um, but she also kept an online journal and she started before she ever got sick and continued writing in it. And I was never allowed to see it. And in fact, I didn't read it until a few years after she died. And it just really struck me that it would be important to write it like a journal. So you get my point of view as the caregiver, Mm -hmm. but by day three, which is chapter three, um, it opens with her point of view. So then you have sort of these parallel thoughts, but you, there comes a moment in time where I actually think she's getting better. And at the exact same time, you know, in terms of of the journal entries, she knows she's getting worse. Hmm. And then we get that news from the doctor. Like she could feel it in her body and she didn't tell me. I mean, she, oh gosh, she was a great kid. And she just very, as much as I protect her um, from everything I was feeling. She very much protected me yeah. because she knew she was dying. She and knew. She, this was age 15. She, she was 15. 15. She was 15 years old. Yeah. And she really made this bucket list. I didn't want to acknowledge it, but she did. And she just decided, hey, I'm going to do everything I ever wanted to do. And she pretty much did almost everything. Um, she met, met her favorite rock star, Dave Navarro of Jane's Addiction, twice. <laughs> um, and he still knows who she is. I still communicate with him. Um, he's really gone out of her way for, um, out of his way for her friends over the yeah. years. Um, yeah. Yeah. So was, she, um, getting that perspective and knowing that her time was, her days were numbered. Uh, she yeah. decided to get busy. Yeah. Yeah. She sure did. Yeah. She just said, I'm going to do it. And it it was really great to see. I mean, it was just amazing. I don't know any other adult who could have dealt with that diagnosis as well as she did. Yeah. Kids are amazing. Um, and yeah, yeah. and sisters, little sisters too. Um, so the, um, the thing that I wanted to point out is that you guys were doing something what I would think a patient advocate um, should be doing, right? Is writing a diary or a journal of different <laughs> things that are happening. Yes. It's so, it's so important. Um, I, I just spoke to someone today about this, that, you know, you're in a fog and, um, and one of the beautiful things we have now that I didn't have when Adrian was diagnosed is we have these things called cell phones and you're not expected to remember everything. So turn on that record button yeah, and hit okay. record. And if you can take someone to your appointment with you to actually take notes, do that, but always just record the appointments. Mm-hmm. And that way, when you go home, if you need to share it with someone, you can, because you have the recording. I mean, it's, it's just so critical. You need to take notes the whole time. I mean, there, there were numerous times where I caught things and patterns that the doctors didn't. Didn't because you guys yeah. were writing things down. Yeah, we were writing things yeah. down. 
Yeah. I think, um, you know, just turn it on record, even if you're not able, you know, during the appointment, there's, I'm sure there's some issues in some places. And if you don't know how to ask it, can I record this appointment? You know, as soon as you leave, turn that record button on and just summarize what you just learned or um, some questions that you have to going forward is um, that would be a great, that's a great idea. But if a doctor has a problem with you recording him, that may not be the best doctor for you. Let's see. Good tip. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So the book Better Off Bald is the one about your sister, but I wanted to also ask you for a um, a book recommendation, one that you hadn't authored um, for our audience. Okay. You know, before you hit record, I told you I stressed over this <laughs> because I love books. I read every single day and it's actually something I, I really make sure I take time for now every single day, no matter mm-hmm. what. And I thought about all these different books and business books and self-help and everything. No pressure. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But then I was like, what book have I recommended the most to people? Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's just going to seem like such a weird choice, but I just nerd out on this book. Um, And my, I still haven't gotten it back from one friend. Um, It's called (laughs) Generations by Strauss and Howe. And they've written a couple of books since, but their first book, Generations, was written in the 90s. And they predicted everything that happened like they predicted the uh, financial collapse of 2008 hmm. they thought it would happen between like 2007 and 2010 you know right yeah. uh, they predicted things based on um cyclical generations and they map it out and the only time it, it hasn't been consistent was after the civil war there was a generation that was sort of missed hmm. but uh, for example my generation generation x which just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> um is very similar to the lost generation that was born between 1880 and uh 1900 um and it's really it's just really really interesting to see the things that they predicted and how they came true um and it yeah. also so it really helps you learn how to communicate better with other generations. Oh, okay. So it gives you some highlights of things that similarities and differences that might be between the generations. That's important yeah. too. Um, you know, we've got so many um, multi, we've got multi-generations alive now because of yeah. the, you know, the life expectancy. So that is, that's a good tip. And also, um, you know, you've always got, I'm from a military culture. So you've got senior people trying to talk to, you know, the younger generation and they're really not really sure how to, how to do that and how to move forward. So generations, yeah. that sounds like a good tip. I'm curious to know if they predicted COVID, um, you know, there's that, there does seem to be a cyclical flu or epidemic or pandemic, right. At that early right. turn of the century, 18, 19, and now 20, 2020. Um, yeah, do you remember a hundred years later, Spanish flu? I mean, sure. Yeah. Do you remember if that was in there? I don't, they didn't go past like 2010, if I remember okay. correctly, because then they came out with another book that was focused primarily on millennials, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't read that one. So <laughs> I wasn't in that one. I didn't want to read it. I'm just, I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> well, it sounds like they're still writing. So maybe some more will come yeah. out of that. Yeah. And it's actually not a difficult read. It's not like a, a hard read. It's just, it's really enjoyable. And to see how they just, they traced it. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It's super nerdy though, but well, thank you for taking the time to narrow it down. I think that makes that book even more special, right? I mean, you had all of these books that you loved that you had to just pick one. So that makes it um, super special to our, our listeners. <laughs> sure. You know, a lot of them will check that out. So tell me what's next for you, Andrea. Um, you've got your, your company still really rather young. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Cancer is very young. Uh, we've been bootstrapping the business for two years, and now we're raising a seed round of funding. And we got a pretty big commitment just last month, which is really exciting. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, and you can learn more at cancer.university, like I mentioned before. Um, and at the time of this recording, my nonprofit Blue Fairy is doing a public awareness campaign about liver cancer and disease prevention, um, which you can learn more at loveyourliver.us or just bluefairy with an e.org. Um, and I definitely want to write more books, uh, mm-hmm. but that's just um, that's going to have to wait for a little while. <laughs> I can only do so many things at one time. So, you're reading so many that it's hard to set aside the time to write them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know what I want to write about with the next book is about. The next book is it's going to be that 10 years of my life where I, I really, I really grieved all through my thirties sure, yeah. and everything I went through in that grieving period, um, and including a marriage that I probably would never have gotten married, um, had I not been grieving. It just wasn't the right person for yeah. me. Um, so yeah, that's the next book. So more to follow from Andrea Wilson Woods. <laughs> Thanks for your time today. Thanks for your thoughts. Oh, thank you for having me. Catherine Mora here. Thank you so much for listening to the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. If you are a successful coach, speaker, or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit changeempire.com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Thought Leaders to Watch. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, changeempire.com or follow me on LinkedIn as Catherine Moore. We're on Facebook and Instagram as Change Empire Book Coaching. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.